Hey, hey, Minus 3 is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment count a little bit more than FanDuel. Great odds and markets for the NBA, NHL, college basketball, baseball, TBD. Awesome and new existing user promos. America's number one sportsbook. It's easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. Now in as little as two hours, it's fun to combine multiple bets, and that's where the same, same game parlayed is my favorite thing, bar none, about FanDuel. You pick a, a few legs of the game that you're already going to be watching, whether it's a player parlay, bet on the uh, on the game total, on your team side, however you want to do it. The important thing is you do it at FanDuel Sportsbook, fanduel.com, slash minus three, the word minus, the number three, so that they so that you know that Damashek sent you, and we'll see you in the winner's circle. Or maybe you won't. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three. We're presented, as always, by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make sure you bet along with your pals here at Minus Three. FanDuel.com slash Minus Three. It's the word minus. It's the number three. And follow along all the fun at Minus Three Pod. And go to ExtraPoints.com slash Arcade. Buy some stuff, buy a minus three T-shirt or whatever else suits your fancy at uh, the Extra Point shop. Also available at the Extra Points handle right now, Damashek the uniform and put out my rankings of I selected with the news of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bringing back their creamsicle uniforms. I decided to identify the best uniform for every team, and then I ranked what those uniform, where they rank uh, among the 32 teams. I don't know if that was too convoluted. I think it's pretty straightforward stuff. Let's say hello to our pal before we're joined by the Athletics' Josh Yoey to talk a little bit of puck. We're coming down the home stretch of what's been a really exciting regular season, not like the NBA, which is really, as far as I'm concerned, having a real bad year, real bad season so far. But it is shaping up to be an intriguing playoffs, at least on the eastern side of things. Um, but let's say hello to Eddie Spaghetti there. What's the poop with you, fella? You didn't like my list. I saw you on social media saying that the Steelers, and I'm biased to have the Steelers as the second best uniform in football. Who doesn't like the Steelers uniform, for Christ's sake? I, I don't like I, – it doesn't do anything for me. It's like it's just uh, – I don't think I – I don't like the – the color scheme. Uh, I think I don't like yellow pants in general. Like really like the Packers don't really do anything for me. Washington doesn't really do anything for me. I even said in my tweet that I with the Iowa Hawkeyes, it's not anything to do with the Steelers. I just, the color combo doesn't do it. The only yellow or gold color pants that I like, I guess is probably the Rams, like the throwback Rams. Um, but your list, I mean, I generally agree. Like you have uh, the Raiders number one. I, I would have them high. The Chargers would probably end up my number one spot. Obviously the powder blues. I like the 49ers. Yeah, you have the Chiefs white uh, with the red pants. I like that. That'd be pretty high up mm-hmm. for me. Um, and Deshaun, not biased. I love the Eagles Kelly Green. You have that in the top as at 14 for you. The Eagles Kelly Green uniform is great. Um, the, the Patriots, the throwback with the red, white, and blue is also another really good one. So like, I'm kind of similar. We'd have a similar kind of list and probably just a different, uh, different order, but the, the giants one, I'm shocked. You went with the giants, just the regular blue with the, the gray pants. Cause I think that's what they won the super bowls in. Those are cool. And they wore those back in like the YA tittle days too. Those are, it's, it's a historic uniform. 
Yeah, but everyone kind of fell in love with like the LT Parcells years when they had the Giants on the helmet, the white pants, and they had the jer- the jersey with the red and white and the sleeves and the collar. I personally would probably even go with their their new color rush, like that the white with the blue and red numbers. I think is a, a clean looking uniform. Uh, I don't have the Giants in the top ten, but I would have them a little bit higher than you did. But uh, overall, I think that your list is 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 pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's but nostalgia. Of course, Giants fans of a certain age who grew up loving LT are going to want to want those. But like I say, that's for sentimentality, not because it's aesthetically pleasing. And people, Ravens fans are mad. Me, oh, so obviously biased. You have the right. Look, does anybody think the Ravens have great uniforms? They Come don't. They don't. I'd actually, I'd, I'd say you're going to get pushback because you'll probably bring up the AFC South. But I would say the AFC North for me is pretty low overall. Hmm, I love I the Browns. I think the Browns uh, now have cool uniforms again. I don't know. It doesn't do it for me. I mean, I think the, the the Ravens are a newer team, so they have like the cool stylistic like looking ones, like the black, the all black, or they go black and purple. Uh, the Browns, I mean, brown just a miserable color. It's mixing with orange. I'm not a big black and orange fan. Uh, I, although I do think the Bengals, the, the, the whites are not that bad. And like I said, the Steelers are fine. It's a fine, it's a classic uniform. I like the helmet look with the one logo, but uh, just the black and yellow doesn't do much for me. All right, we've identified. Then again, you wear tank tops, so your fashion advice is yeah. uh, is marginal at best. Meantime, football fans are on Rogers' watch. Let's see where he goes. It looks like, if nothing else, my my hypothesis is is that. For all of his kooky behavior, he's kind of picked his head up and looked around and realized if he cares at all about ending with a Lombardi, that his best shot at doing that is staying put, especially with the news that the Packers are going to tag or uh, long-term deal or otherwise hold on to Devontae Adams like grim death. If he can't bring Adams with him, that's going to be bad. Do you really want Rodgers, if you're the Broncos, to have to install a new offense? I know Nathaniel Hackett's there in Denver. I still think he's going to stay in Green Bay. I think more likely to move is Russell Wilson, so people are on uh, Russ watch they're on Jameis watch now people are on Kyler watch after that kooky letter and everybody's over at the combine in Indianapolis right now where it turns out scouts have shown up and they're evaluating players that might be a big difference maker for for our football organization come autumn times um I guess we'll keep an eye on that I really have very little interest in what goes on there does it really matter I mean do we it is it is such a canard it's an excuse for people to go and have belts. Why, I mean, what, why the combine is necessary when the players that are going to get drafted have pro days, it really feels like an excuse to get together and, and have a big party for a couple of days in Indianapolis, Indiana. I, I think what it helps overall is literally just you get the player, the college players measurements and then that kind of formulates the team opinion. So for us, the viewer, the the the, the media who consumes the kind of uh, the info we hear, well, like you know, people putting on mock drafts right now, I don't really pay attention to until post combine or combine because I think that does matter in that sense. So for us, really, <clears throat> for mock draft purposes, for knowing who our team is going to draft, for knowing what trades may happen in the draft, I think that's like the most important piece. And I guess now some teams do, the bigger teams do like pro days. I know I have like three top players aren't performing any drills. They'll do pro days. So I'll, I'll kind of combine the combined with the pro days that you need to have those to actually have a clearer view of how this draft will, will, will process. I get it, but... 
I also, if if you talk to um, talent evaluators, you know, these guys know where they're leaning. It's all about the tape that they have from, from their games, from their actual games are, are weighted way more heavily. I guess it's a little like figure skating. You watch the figure skating, not to see them succeed. You you want to see if they slip. And as long as they – so I guess if a guy runs a 4-6 and you thought he was a burner, then that might be a red flag. But I don't think there's a ton to be learned from the combine. Well, um, well, think quickly. Just think about how many stories were generated from the combine. Like, I mean, think of the hand size. Every, every single year, quarter had Burrow and, and like the, and Josh Allen's hand size. The height with Kyler Murray's height. That was a story for weeks. Like, I mean, there is the, – the, the 40 times another one. It's like if the player comes in fast – Faster, his draft stock rises of a player that everyone likes. He's slower. Then it's like there's a lot of things that it does. I agree with you. It's I would be 95% like all in on the game film and watching the the game tape. But there are is there's just certain things that happen in Indianapolis that it just changes the players either for the better or for the worse. So we have seen examples in recent years. Even though the NFL has kind of gotten out of this. But like who though? I I think that's a you're right. But as I'm trying to tick through them in my head, who? Like John Ross and uh, Tavon Austin moved up as a result of their – was that good? Mike Mamoul is the most famous guy, like the workout legend who the Eagles drafted now probably 20 years ago at least. Um, Who who improved their draft stock with their performance and then it yielded actual results? I mean, there have to be some. But like Kyler Murray's too short. Like, yeah, well, he still went first overall and has been a star and we'll see what happens going forward with him. Uh, Joe Burrow, his hand size is a problem. Is it a problem for anybody now? Like I hear completely what you're saying, except that it doesn't ultimately impact anything. And maybe it does swing things, but to the detriment of the teams that draft these guys. It's for sure just more uh, conversation for the media to have, but uh, because the NFL has gotten better at not caring about these things, the league's gotten smarter. But at this, we're having this conversation a decade ago. It, like you wouldn't even, first of all, if a quarterback was mobile and wasn't a pure pocket passer, you would say forget about him. But like so, that like the, those things that used to matter, like the hand size, like the height, um, like the forty time, it's all changing now in the current state of the NFL. But years ago, like that would be like, yeah, I agree. You're right. Like, right. It's just tough for us to talk about. And the NFL goes, that's great. I don't care about his hand size. I don't care about his 40 time. And they'll drive them anyway. But I, I, like I said, a decade ago, if a guy had a miserable pro day or a great one, you know, that's why Sam Bradford was drafted, you know, like first of all, it's the same kind of thing that the league for the, for once has moved into a better uh, view of how important the pro days and the, and the combine workouts really are. Our pals who whose lives are devoted to player evaluation will tell you it's not the mock draft, by the way. Look at their top 50 or top 100 or whatever ranking of the players. That's how they view who's best, where they're slotting guys to certain teams is not as relevant for them as they're putting those things together as as, as are their rankings of the players um, as they come out of the combine or otherwise. Meantime, I keep saying it, but weird times in the NBA. Imagine if you fell into a coma in, say, um, September, and you woke up and I told you right now, like, hey, uh, it's Tuesday night, and the Brooklyn Nets are getting eight and a half at the Raptors tonight. Hey, oh, that that one doesn't uh, stun you enough? How about this? The Lakers are playing in Los Angeles against the Mavericks, and they're getting five and a half. What gives? This is craziness. Um, I, the Lakers are going to be a part of the mix when it's all said and done. I don't, I, I, I just think 
that in a star league, when there are only five guys on the floor at any given time, LeBron is good enough to push them into the mix come springtime. Um, you know, we've been talking about who's going to get the MVP over there. Ja is plus 1,300 to win the MVP, but he's certainly, it seems, the most electric guy out there. I don't think he's going to get it, but our pal Marty Weiss over on Extra Points has been advocating for Ja. And guess what? That plus 1,300 are the same odds you can get for uh, the Grizz to get to the finals. I don't know that that's going to happen. I, I It feels like that's a two-horse race on that side. In the East, the Nets still with shorter odds to get to the finals than the Sixers. For all the hype around Philly, they're sitting there plus 350. The Nets are there at plus 290. Act on that at your whim and do it at fanduel.com slash minus three. And Eddie Spaghetti, you were on a vacation in Florida, and now you're going to go to a wedding. You watched. We're going to talk to Josh Yowie here. How do you feel coming out of the seeing your blue shirts face up against the team that they're tracking to play come spring in round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs? one nothing. Well, what a beauty. That game was uh, actually a lot better than the the preceding loss. They're getting blown out at home versus the Vancouver Canucks. But that game was uh, – it's a frustrating game. It's frustrating to lose one nothing because you're like, you couldn't just generate one goal. You couldn't get a redirect, couldn't get a tip in, couldn't get a screen goalie goal. Um, but it, it's you know they're they're playing down uh, a right wing in Cabocaco. They're clearly a team that needs offensive production at the at the trading deadline. They're not great five and five. They need help there, and it, it's not a good method to rely on the goaltender a la what they did for however long Henrik Lundqvist's career was. Now that being said, they didn't have a Norris Trophy winner on their team, and their team is built a lot better. They have guys having career years like a Chris Kreider and uh, you know Zabit and Jad and Panarin are still scoring. I'm I'm excited for a series versus the Penguins. I think I think the rain like the Penguins that game had the first period was not good. It was not good for the Pittsburgh Penguins at all. They did not look like they belonged on the same ice together. Then you go to the, the rest of the game and, and Evgeny Malkin, one of the best players in the world uh, for his career, we, he wakes up, he scores a, a goal on a I guess you could say a questionable power play. And, um, you know, it's what it's just one of those things. <laughs> I didn't say that. You said that. I'm, I mean, I'm saying play. I'm I, the referee was uh, it, it was questionable referee job in that game. That's what I'll say. I think if they played uh, that game, uh, you know, again, uh, it's a different outcome. Well, they but, are going to play the game again, probably at least four well, series. Well, uh, anyway, getting to my point is I think in a, in a series, I, I do still like the Rangers because I, I'm like I'm saying they're going to get back healthy cock. They're going to get help with the deadline. And I think a team that has Igor Shosturkin playing goaltender with uh, a Norris Trophy defenseman in front of him is a team you don't want to play against. And especially, every, we all hear about it. Every single playoff series is the goalie standing on his head. And I think Jari Jari's capable of doing that, but Jari is also capable of losing them a series. And I still think with the Rangers, like, yeah, they don't have maybe the veteran kind of presence the Penguins have, but they are a grittier team than you give them credit for. They do have some vets on that team. And uh, I'm I'm hoping that you know they haven't peaked just yet, and I I think they're going to be okay. That being said, there's a lot of scary teams that they may have to play. But Carolina has their number. I think Florida's a very high flying, uh, very great. They're the best team. watch to me. I love watching the yeah. Panthers. I, I have no rooting awesome interest team. whatsoever, and they're 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 delightful to watch. They could be they could be beat, but they they could score at will. But their defense and, I, and Bob Brovsky, you know, uh, depending on your thoughts on him, he's very up and down. The guys one of Vezina, and then also been uh, you know a, a backup. It's very strange. Uh, and then you have Tampa, the reigning champs. Like uh, you know, I didn't really trust in Tampa too much. But when you have the best goaltender in the world in Vasilevsky and you have Hedman, who's a, you know, it's still a top three defenseman and, and the scoring, they, they just, they're a deep team too. 
Uh, so I mean, it's a lot of tough outs. It's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy playoff. Well, yeah, I I, I can't wait. And you know, we're heading into the NBA playoffs. I keep talking about that they set up now after the the wheeling and dealing that's already gone on. The the E sets up to be fascinating stuff. The Stanley Cup playoffs are gonna be just marvelous for some of the reasons that you just hit on there. Tampa Bay going for their third straight cup. All of a sudden, they can seize the the claim of being the best team in the millennium. They might already be able to lay claim to that. And it does feel to me a little bit like when the Celtics used to have to go through the gauntlet of the Milwaukee Bucks with Bob Lanier and Sidney Moncrief and Dr. J and Moses Malone Sixers and uh, the, the these rugged matchups every step of the way. And at some point, even Michael Jordan and the Bulls and the Lakers would catch like the Nugs and and the Mavs it it was breezy comparatively speaking so they were relatively fresh were the Showtime Lakers against the Celtics I think that's the edge of Colorado if you're looking to place a wager I know it's not terribly exciting they're the team to beat the the Avs but I do like them I don't know who's getting in their way we'll get into that with Josh Yoey and I mentioned the NBA and NHL playoffs and guess what March Madness is almost here the college basketball championship is approaching, and there's no better place to get in on that action than FanDuel Sportsbook. New customers can place their first college basketball bet risk-free up to $1,000. Bet college basketball any way you like it. A same-game parlay is what I would advise you to do. Get in there. Bet uh, three legs of the same game. Big winnings available to, to you. Jump in with the live betting. Big promotions, like I say, with the odds boosts available to you. The same game parlays. And when you do win, FanDuel is going to pay you your winnings in as little as two hours. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with the promo code. This is the important part. This is how Eddie Spaghetti gets all that food to eat and then eat some more. And then you, you think Eddie Spaghetti can feed that gut? Uh, if he if he doesn't get some donations from you, but you can win money while you're doing it, but you can feel good about it because you know you're fill, filling Eddie Spaghetti's body. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, sign up, and use the promo code minus three again. It's the word minus the number three to get your first bet risk free up to one thousand dollars. That's minus three. Bet on the college basketball championships. I love those. I love the conference championships. I enjoy more than March Madness. Either way, get in on all of it. FanDuel Sportsbook. Let's work in a quick break. All right. Before he jumps on an airplane off to the Tampa St. Pete area, he's joining us. He's one of our very favorite guys to kibitz with about this, that, and the other. And as we come down the home stretch. Of the NHL's regular season, who better to yap with? It's our old pal from The Athletic. Find his great work there. It's Josh Yoey. What's the poop, fella? My friend, how are you? Long time no see. Well, I'm doing pretty well because despite the doom and gloomers who once again told us that my favorite hockey team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, had no chance once again in, in this hockey season. There they are. Right in the upper half of the mighty Eastern, no, Wales Conference. Let's dig in on all of it. And before we dive into the things uh, in, in with more substance, I want to work backwards here. I want to, Eddie Spaghetti, if you would, give me a power play, two minutes. Let's see how many questions we can get through here with the expert Yoey here and get to the bottom of uh, of many 
hot uh, hot hockey items coming down the whole stretch here. Here we go. Start the clock. If the Avs don't get to the final from the Campbell Conference, who does? Calgary Flames are the best team I've seen in the West other than the Avs. I would go with the Flames. They're pretty nasty. Boy, right out of the gate, you and me are in agreement. Are the Oilers going to miss the playoffs? They will make the playoffs, but then they will lose in the first round because I, I think that's just who they are. And if the West, I'm sorry, if the if the Campbell Conference were any good, they would not make the playoffs. But that's a bad conference other than Colorado. It really, really is. And uh, can you give the Hart Trophy, a.k.a. the MVP, to a guy whose team misses the playoffs, especially when McDavid and Dreisaitl are on the same team? What gives here? Can you give either one of those guys the Hart Trophy? Can't go to either one of them if they don't make the playoffs. I believe that hasn't happened since a uh, number of Swiss almost ceased in 1988, if I'm not mistaken. But let's not compare anyone to the greatest hockey player of all time. That was a much different case. And that was in the Patrick division, by the way. Thank you. Yes, Liz, we, we needn't uh, indulge that uh, talk, any comparisons like that. Who is your MVP then? Uh, right now, it might be Spaghetti's goaltender, Mr. Shostirkin, and uh in New York. It, it, it's the most wide open field I can remember. That dude is a superstar. He, he really is. And nobody else is really jumping out. There's probably 10 legitimate candidates, but I don't usually like giving it to goalies, but I'll tell you what, uh, he's the guy. If they come in second place or higher in the division, I, I think he has a real chance. Let's dig in on, uh, on those blue shirts in just a minute here. Yeah. Can the jackets in the meantime, Really catch the Caps, just sitting 10 points back with a couple games in hand on them, and the Caps fading. They can. I, I don't think they will, but I think it's going to become a story. Uh, the Caps have to go to Western Canada this week. That's a nasty stretch right now. Then they've got a couple of games with Carolina coming up, a couple of with Tampa. they got to come to Pittsburgh. They have a horribly difficult schedule. I don't think they're any good right now. I don't think Columbus will catch them, but it, it, I'm telling you, it's going to become a story in the next month. Will Ovechkin play for another team? Not this season, but is there a chance that he's going to break Gretzky's goal record wearing a uniform other than the Washington Capitals? I don't think so. He he gets whatever he wants there. He he gets the money he wants. He gets the teammates he wants. He he gets the protection from the media relations when he feels like it, and I think he likes it there. Uh, I could see him finishing his career overseas at some point, but I, I don't think he'll play with a different NHL team. But they're destined for a blow-up, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're so top-heavy, and they're not at all in contention for the Stanley Cup, realistically. They're, they're, they're about done. Isn't it amazing? Everyone always uh, writes off the Penguins the way of the Kings and the Blackhawks, but they kind of keep keep themselves in the contender conversation, and I do think the Caps are, are the next team to blow up. And I'll give Ovechkin credit. He was awesome in the first half. He was. And if he wouldn't have played like he did then, man, would they be in a world of hurt in the standings. But as it is, I, I don't view them as a legit contender. No, indeed. But the team that was supposed to be a contender on that side of the bracket was the Islanders. What happened to them? Well, I think playing all the road games in the first two months was tough. I mean, that does take a toll on a team. But I also think playing the way Barry Trotz demands you to play, just blocking shots all day and just play. They play so hard all the time. That can take a toll. Even the Penguins, I think, have looked a little tired in the last month because the way Sullivan wants them to play is tough. It's just not easy, and I think we've seen that to a larger extent with the Islanders. And they also just don't have home ice advantage anymore. And, and I'm telling you, the Coliseum was one of the few buildings left. You walked into that place. It was a little intimidating. It was a little uncomfortable. Uh, they really did have an edge there. It's different when you go to the new barn. 
What is the best barn to go into or the toughest if you're the visiting team? Oh, gosh. I, I don't know if there are any left. I mean, I have buildings that I enjoy visiting just because they're beautiful buildings, but all the old school places are gone. I, I think the Coliseum was really the last one that gave you that sense of a real home ice advantage. I'm sure there, there are some teams that are better at home than others. There's only one old school building left, and that's the Saddle Dome. But And as, I don't know if you've ever been there. That's a spectacular place. It's so cool to go, but you feel like you're in 1988. It's great. But I don't think it's an intimidating venue, really. Do make sure you're following uh, at Josh Yoey underscore PGH. It's uh, la- the surname is Y-O-H-E. Make sure you follow him. He does post great photos when he's out on the road there. I saw that catwalk you went across in the Ooh. saddle. Dump. By the way, Eddie Spaghetti, I, it's, this is completely on me, not on our guest. You're going to have to turn it into a five-minute major. There's no way we're getting everything. I think we've already blown past the two-minute power play mark there. What is... If you are in, if you are a beat guy and following around a team, what town do you look forward most to visiting? Uh, for me, it's Montreal. I just, man, I love everything about Montreal. That they love the hockey there. I love the arena. Uh, the restaurants are top notch. If you're a gentleman who appreciates the finer sex, you will not do better than Montreal. Uh, it, it's got it all. It's, um, and you always hear those stereotypes about French people being rude. I find them very friendly. I love French Canadians, actually. They're always great to deal with, in my opinion. So, and there are other cities. Uh, Vegas is always exciting, right? Tampa or Florida, LA, you enjoy the weather, that kind of stuff. But uh, Montreal, to me, is just in a class of its own. I love it there. Do we need to move the Ducks and or the Coyotes? I advocate for moving both. I say put one in Portland, all of a sudden the Pacific Northwest becomes a new hotbed for rivalries in the NHL. And then we move the other one up to Quebec and, uh, and Laguerre Sival is renewed up there against uh, the blue Blanque Rouge and beyond. I'd be fine with it. I was in Anaheim back in January. That was for Gino's return game. And that was just a horrendous crowd. That building was Literally half Penguins fans and half empty seats. I couldn't believe it. Um, Phoenix, that goes without saying. They need to be long gone. I would love to see a team in Quebec. That building, they have a new building. I was there for a preseason game a few years back. Spectacular place. And by the way, on a recent visit to Montreal, yes, I did find 66 as a boyhood home. And uh, what a thrill that was. I even told him about it. I said, I found your boyhood home. Went to your burger joint around the street. He said, did it uh, make the stomach a little bad afterwards? I said, yes, it did. He said, yep, I know the one. <laughs> He's the best. Here's what here's what I got to do, man, at some point. And you know what? You can do it, if not me. But I'd love to do it just because I'm vain and I would like to have this exchange with 66. I don't need to dip in to into what motivates him as a human being or as an athlete. I, I, none of that jive. I just want to sit with him and go over what he considers to be his 10 greatest goals. I want him to talk through them in excruciating detail and tell me everything he recalls about what he considers to be his 10 finest. Now, if he wants to do 66 greatest goals, I'll sit for that too. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers. You let me know. You be the emissary, and you be there as well with us. I want you there with us. But the three of us should powwow and figure out what his – you know, if he only has like two favorite goals of all time that stand above every other one, yeah. so be it. I just want to sit there for that and go over them. I would like to moderate that discussion. Do you have a favorite one? Well, I, I, mine's I, a little I, obscure, but I, you know. what? Uh, I mean, do it, see now, Eddie Spaghetti, you're going <laughs> to. 
<laughs> Coach Sullivan or somebody's going to have to call a timeout here for the to, to interrupt the uh, five minute major here. But yes, my my answer is given the situation. I, I was in the joint in the igloo, game one, 1992. The Blackhawks on a roll, defense first. Chelios, Belfour, Young Ronick, all the rest of it. Uh-huh. And they were defense dominant. And I remember having conversations in the Dirty O with pals before the game. A couple were from Chicago. They were they were Blackhawks supporters. And, and you know, who's going to win? The, uh, the immovable object or the unstoppable force and all that sort of stuff. And I said, at the end of the day, these are two great teams. But at the end, there will be no answer for 66. And with 11 seconds to go in the third period, there he came, swooping in, uncovered. The rebound off of Larry Murphy's stick, off Eddie the Eagle, 66, buried it. The place went wild in, in a manner I have never seen in any other sporting event in my life. So that's my number one. How say you? Uh, no, that's an obvious choice and a great one. Uh, mine is the Pierre Kramer game, April 2nd, 1988, when he uh, – when he undressed Larry Murphy in overtime and chipped the puck, uh, how he did it, I'll never know, was Mike Lang's famous call, I believe. Uh, and it was on my birthday, so I'm biased. But uh, that was the one for me. But I, I would like to moderate that conversation. Uh, yeah, I had I not be been in the building for that one, I think you're right. Because Pierre Kramer famously or infamously didn't know, right, didn't know that they had to win the game to keep their playoff hopes alive. 66 took matters into his own hands and from his buttocks scored the goal, uh, snuck it in there. Yeah, that that might be it. Oh, I could go on. But that, when he picks the puck off the dashers in Boston Garden against the Mighty Bruins in game two in 91, a game that the Penguins would ultimately lose, when he picks the puck high off the, off the boards and gathers it and skates basically right down the blue line, uh, right, right down the goal line at Andy Moog and then flips it up over him. It's a remarkable goal. And it made me think, you know what? Maybe they actually could beat this Bruins team. And so they did uh, four games later. All right. We got sidetracked. I'm sorry, everybody. I can't help it. You start talking 66. This is what happens to me. One team can use its throwback for all of time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are bringing back their creamsicles. What's what, what uniform would you like to see an NHL team bring back? Ooh, Boy, well, I've been. In, do you like the Penguins uh, Snoop Dogg third jersey? Or is it I like it. Jersey? I do too. I like it a lot. No, it's, I like it. It's in fact, I've is. asked. I've asked a bunch of Penguins that question over the years. I say, "What's the, your favorite Penguins jersey?" And they all say, every single one of them says that jersey is their favorite of them all. Yeah, I like it a lot. I would love to see the Kings go back to their '80s jersey. Actually, you're you're out in California. You know the ones. I, their current uniforms are fine, but those old school. Uh, was it purple and yellow? I guess they were. Oh, yeah. Those were spectacular. I, I think we need more of that in our lives at the Staples Center or whatever they call it these days. It's still the Staples Center to me. Um, so that that's the one that jumps out to me. But I, I could just see uh, go back to all the '80s uniforms, and I would be perfectly content. That's when that's when hockey uniforms were great, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I, I'm not going to argue with you about that. Why would you give up purple and gold, especially since it matches the the basketball team that you share the joint with? It's too yeah. obvious. Okay, right. Gretzky did the silver and black, but that era has come and gone. Now go back to your roots. Biggest name that'll move at the trade deadline? Well, Claude Giroux is going to get moved. I think that's almost a given. Um, that's a That's a fairly big name. He's maybe not the player he once was, but he's still pretty good. And I think if you surround him with talent, 
you might really have something. Colorado has been the team, I think, most closely identified with him. I don't know if they need him. They already score more goals than anyone else. I guess they're just trying to overwhelm the league, which I can respect. Kind of like having Phil Kessel on your third line once upon a time, uh, just creating matchup nightmares. Uh, he can still play. And uh, put him on a team like that with that collection of talent, he would certainly produce. Uh, the Flyers captain is not going to be there for much longer. I think that is a given. That team is a mess. I think maybe they're going to finally resign to the fact that they need to truly rebuild because they don't believe in the big rebuild. Uh, they're just one of those franchises. Uh, they don't. The Maple Leafs were stuck in that rut for years. That can be a dangerous thing, but I think uh, Claude is gone. And I don't think he'd look terrible in black and gold beside number 71. I just don't know if those two teams would actually – make a trade because that doesn't happen very often. And the Penguins don't have much to offer compared to a team like Colorado. That That's going to be the Penguins problem. Well, I, I, I hear you about that. And you know, I'm more, uh, more often than not, I'm an all in guy. You know, if, oh. if your team is close, you should go for it. The idea yeah. of playing for, for a brighter future that, you know, when things are murky in the age of free agency and, uh, mm-hmm. and in, uh, you know, the, the, year of our Lord 2022 with uh, tomorrow not promised and otherwise go for it now. Do the abs need to make any sort of a move is uh, philosophically, are you on that side of things or if you're the penguins as a, for instance, given the ages of Malkin and Latang and Crosby, do they need to mortgage the future? They do have young prospects at least. Are you a guy who says give up the future for right now? In certain circumstances? Yes. And in the penguin circumstance, I say yes, because here's the thing. I don't think Samuel Poulin or Nathan Laguerrier or even P.O. Joseph, I, I don't think they're anything that great. I like Joseph. The other, the, the two forwards, I'm telling you, if training camp last couple of years was any indication, there's not a whole lot there. They're nothing special. Even if you trade the first round pick, that's what, the 28th overall pick? Is that the guy that's going to be the bridge between uh, Kid Crosby and, and the next generation of great Penguins? Probably not. So when I look at the Penguins, I still see a team that's a contender. Are they the best team on paper? No. Are they a top six or seven team? Yeah, they, they probably are. And if you're that high up, yeah, you got a chance to win the whole thing. And when you only have so many years left of Crosby at this form, and he's been he's been unbelievable. The last 36 games, he has 48 points, which is three more points than McDavid has in that stretch, by the way. So hmm. he's still really playing just about as well as anyone. I think Ron Hextall owes it to Crosby. To give him one more chance to try to do it. It's about championships. And uh, I I would be aggressive if I were Hextall. That's not his MO. So I, I'm very curious to see if he kind of stands pat or if he actually makes a big move because uh, I think they need to be aggressive. As for Colorado, I wouldn't sell the farm necessarily because I already think they're the best team. Uh, but if you can – I honestly would probably get another defenseman more I them. I, I see old Jack Johnson playing a lot for them. I don't know if you want him playing hmm. in a playoff game, right? So I, you know, I would be a little more cautious because they can score goals already. I don't know that I'd give up a ton for a guy like Drew, and they don't really need help in that department. Well, the Avs are clearly the best over in the Campbell Conference. Is it a good thing or a bad thing for the league that the three best teams in the Wales, the Lightning, Canes, and Panthers, are all in the Southeast? I was a big cynic about Batman putting the teams and trying to expand into the Sun Belt. And you knew it was going to take a generation for it to catch. It does feel like 
it has caught in all three of those markets in a big way. It seems like the fan bases are legit, but is it ultimately good for Canadian viewers and for the longstanding fans to be looking at these teams down in Florida thriving? Maybe not. Hmm. I, I will say this. It's hard for me to compare Tampa with the other two. That Tampa is a good hockey town, and, and I would have told you that before they won the Cups. I've been covering games there every year for 12, 13 years now, and I don't know that I've ever seen an empty seat. I, I mean, that, that is a good sports town, a good – I know they don't always go to the baseball game so much there, but I should say it's a good hockey town. It really is. I, I don't know why, but that, it has really caught on. Even youth hockey, there's a huge deal. Um, so it works there. I have seen progress in Raleigh as well. Sunrise is the one. I, I guess their crowds have been a little better lately. That might be the best team in the league. And it's mm-hmm. still a fairly dismal atmosphere. I don't know that it's ever worked there. Is it a great thing for the league? Probably not. In terms of TV revenue, it's not because, you know, those aren't great markets for television. I don't know that Canadians are all that interested in watching them. But it doesn't bother me, though. I, I still think it's a good thing to see markets like that thriving a little bit. Nashville's another one. Nashville's a better hockey town than people think. Uh, that's actually a pretty good sports town. So, it's hit or miss places like Dallas. It doesn't do great. Anaheim, you know, and, and you know why you and I get annoyed by it. Cause everyone, Oh, well, Gretzky brought hockey south. Gretzky brought <laughs> hockey to California. Like, you know. well, I mean, I, I, I'm fine with it if it's good for the game. I, but it, that's a bummer. I didn't realize that Miamians hadn't, uh, hadn't really, uh, cause I, the vibe you get through the television is that the Panther, that it's a lively crowd, or at least well, in springtime it is. It's better. I mean, it is better. I I mean, I've covered some games there over the years when, I mean, there was nobody in that building. Now, nothing can compare to Arizona. I mean, no, nobody goes to their games. Uh, Florida, has it's been a problem for years, their tenants. Why the obsession with Phoenix? All right, give up. All right, it, it hasn't worked. Move them to Portland, as I keep saying. Seattle, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Edmonton. What rivalries you would have there, naturally. No. Portland would be interesting, wouldn't it? You got right up the coast, you got Portland, Seattle, and Vancouver all close to one another. That that and you know, Portland has long been a good hockey town. They, they support their team there a lot more than uh, most junior teams get support. I mean, it's a big deal there. So maybe you're on to something. Uh, Phoenix has a great TV market, right? It's one of the biggest TV markets. That doesn't make a city a great sports town, though. We know there are certain places. I, I saw the Super Bowl ratings. I believe Pittsburgh had a higher rating in the Super Bowl than Los Angeles did. That, just the way it is. Um, some towns get into things more than others. Uh, Phoenix, Southern Florida, LA, places like that. It's just not as big of a deal. And I, the Coyotes need not be there anymore. It's really ridiculous. What? Um, so we say the three best teams on paper are in the East are those Southeast teams. Is it one of those three that gets to the final, or do you have somebody else? Who's your pick to survive mm. the mighty whales? Because these playoffs are once again setting up to be just a misery. They are. I, the, the first and second rounds are going to be unbelievable. We could have Tampa, Florida, and Pittsburgh, Carolina, or New York, Carolina, even as you're saying. I had to think of spaghetti there. You know, your, your potential second-round series. You know what? I think Florida's the best team on paper, top to bottom. I cannot pick Bobrovsky in a series against Vasilevsky. I just can't do it until I see it. Uh, I, I still would pick Tampa to come out of the East. I just think they're under the radar somehow for a two-time defending champion. And I, I would pick Tampa and Colorado as your final if I had to pick right now. I, I hold Vasilevsky in very high regard. He's one of the best goalies I've ever seen. Um, somebody's got to beat him four out of seven. That will not be easy. 
It really is crazy stuff. And believe me, if you are one of these 21st century juggernauts, you want the Lightning to lose here. Because if you get three in a row, that then etches them firmly as the best team of the millennium. So anybody but the Lightning is uh, the way this has to go. All right. You mentioned Spaghetti's Rangers here. How far I've 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 long been a guy for all the swooning about veteran savvy and all, and grit and all that kind of stuff. Give me, give me youth. Give me, give me talented youngsters. I do feel like in this mix as heavy, you know, it's they are heavyweights all over the place. What's good for the Rangers this year? I mean, what, how far do you suspect that they actually go? Is, is the final too, too tall in order for them in 2022? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, <laughs> Here's the problem. They're probably going to get the Penguins in the first round. It's certainly looking like Carolina's going to pull away with the one seed out of that division. Washington's fading. It's got two, three, Pittsburgh, New York written all over it. ABC's going to love it. Get ready for some afternoon playoff hockey, I have a feeling, uh, or perhaps morning playoff hockey where you're watching. Um, I don't know if that's a great matchup for the Rangers, really. Uh, I think if I were a Rangers fan, I'd be satisfied if they at least won a series this season because listen you got Pittsburgh then Carolina waiting for you that Carolina team's really good then you got Tampa or Florida that's murderers row I don't think the most optimistic Rangers fan would really expect them just to roll through those teams and get to the final the future for them is incredibly bright I mean there's talent everywhere on that team I expect them to be a championship team in the next two or three years but I don't know if they're quite ready Everybody loves to be be real cavalier about that. You hear it in pro football all the time when a, a first overall pick is drafted. This young man's going to win multiple Lombardies. Like, well, they only give out the one trophy every year, so that gets in the way. And there are other good guys who want to win yeah. the same trophy. How many ultimately predicted here and now? We'll dig it up. We'll bury it in the time capsule. How many cups will Spaghetti's Rangers win? This group? Oh, probably one. That's They'll get a cup. And that's not a knock on them. I, I just, here's no. their problem. I don't think Capo Caco or Alexi Lafreniere, I know they're still young, but they're not exactly McDavid and Crosby and Ovechkin and Malkin. They look a little more like Nail Yakupov to me. Um, now, that, that could change. If those two were superstars, they, they would be positively frightening. As it is, though, they still have star power everywhere. And uh, their goaltender, I mean, he's special. He's he is the real deal. He's the most athletic goalie I've seen since Mark Andre Fleury came along. So I, I I expect them in the next five years to get one. It it's a hard thing to win. People think, oh, they're look at all these stars. They're going to win four or five cups. Like no, it, it's a, Crosby and Malkin have won three, and they've done great. Like that that that's not easy. This year and for the next five years, Fox or McCarr, who would you rather have? Uh, McCarr. I, and that's no knock on Fox, who's terrific. But Kel McCarr, I mean, that guy's Paul Coffey. I mean, he really is. He, he's he is electric. I, I've not seen a player like him in ages. Uh, Fox is the real deal. I, I love him. There's always so many defensemen give you a point per game, and he's not bad defensively either. A lot of times, offensive-minded guys get that stigma. He's really not. He's he's wonderful. But the the Avs are must see TV. Like I I I'm addicted to watching them play. Now, so they're, you know, they're playing in the later games before bed. I'm like, ah, I got to turn these guys on for a period. They're, they're just different. They play the game at a different speed than anyone else. And, and Cal McCarr is a big reason why. He, he's just a little different. Yeah, I'm with you about that team. The Flames have been a big surprise to me mm-hmm. as well. I mean, they, they're they stunning when you watch them yeah. um, on the TV. I, I did not see that team coming. Um, 
What I did see coming, though, the time time for Dave to pat himself on the back. Me, you, and our pal Dell kibitz before the season, and I told you two things about the Penguins that went against uh, collective wisdom. One was that Marcus Patterson was going to arrive. These lanky defensemen take until their mid twenties. They yes. until the, until they are comfortable with their bodies and everything else. He's he's been spotty, but I feel like has been a strength for the Penguins on the blue line this year. It's been really good. He's yeah, yeah. Lot, he's been bad the last couple of weeks. He's in a little bit of a rut. Had a real bad game against the Devils last week, but uh, I I think he's been solid, really solid. He's a legit top four defenseman. He's absolutely having his best season. His defense partner, Mister Marino, needs to start playing a little better. That's that's one concern I would have. Well, my concern is about uh, Dumo, Brian Dumoulin. You've been writing about him. Before we jump in on, because I do want to talk about that series that it looks like we're going to get because my Penguins versus Spaghetti's Rangers. I want to kibitz about that. But the other big question for the Pittsburgh Penguins that really does impact the way the Wales is going to flow and the way the Wales went last spring was the performance of Tristan Jari. That was the other big prediction I had. I said, listen, this concern in hand-wringing deserved as it is about Jari, is what he does in springtime. The regular season, he's going to stand out again. He is one of the better goaltenders, and he has delivered on that for the most part here. What's your concern level as we head ever closer to the playoffs, though? Because if if he comes anywhere close to poop in the bed like he did last year, then Pittsburgh has zero chance. That's right. feel pretty good about him. Uh Zero being no confidence, uh, 10 being total confidence in his playoff performance. I'm, I'm at about a seven right now. Uh, his relationship with the new goaltender coach, Andy Kyoto, has been really important. Kyoto, I've had some chats with this guy. He's like a life coach, uh, and I mean that in a good way. Like, he's gotten through to Jari. Um, he's different this season. Jari right now has this confidence about him. It's almost bordering on arrogance, and I mean that in a good way. Uh, you'll recall a few weeks ago when uh, our pal Brad Marchand sucker punched him. Totally inappropriate. But let me tell you something. Jari was in his ear all night, giving it right back to him. Tristan Jari two years ago wouldn't have done that. Uh, he's feeling good about himself. The end of that Rangers game on Saturday afternoon, he was flashing the glove at the blue shirts a little bit. He was he was feeling it. He, he's got this competitiveness about him. You know, everyone said, oh, the, the Islanders are in your head. So he's played them once this year. He shut them out. And the, Anyhow, he gets the Rangers in town, MVP candidate, goaltender across the way, shuts them out. Like he, he likes it. Uh, he, he likes the challenge of it all, I think. So I, I feel pretty good about him right now. I think How about good. that effing save? One thing you and I disagree <laughs> on is I, 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 I always thought um, that Hextall, as good as he was with the stick, he, was, he wasn't Marty Brodeur and he took chances. But I think that Hextall likes Jari. Here's my hypothesis. Mm. When everybody was saying, pounding the table after the Islanders series, you got to move on from Jari. You got to find uh, a, another option there. I think Hextall likes what Jari does with the stick. I, 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 and I think it's a legit difference maker. I know that it straight up cost the Penguins a game in overtime. In uh, against the Islanders, but I still ultimately like what it brings to to the team, especially the way the Penguins play. How say you? Oh, of course. Um, goalies who are good at handling the puck sometimes do take chances, and that is a problem. Hextall was an all-time great at it, and, and I talked about the goalie coach Andy Kyoto. Well, Hextall is in on a lot of their meetings too. Like he mm. he likes to be involved. He loves Jari. He he's made that very clear. And Jari's toned it down a little bit. He's not taking the chances that he that he took a couple of years ago. Made a beautiful lead pass in the Rangers game. I think it was to Carter for a 
for a semi-breakaway. I mean, he not only is he good at handling the puck, but he has a pretty high IQ in terms of knowing when to slow play down, when to take chances. We And, hey, I know he made the one gruesome mistake in the playoffs. I, I'll never have an explanation for what he was thinking on that play. It was It was just the ultimate brain cramp. It really was. But – it makes a difference. Ask any of the defensemen, hey, do you like how Tristan plays the puck? And they will all tell you, oh, my God. And especially against teams like Washington and Boston that are just looking to beat up defensemen. And the Rangers, to some extent, they they can play that game. Uh, it makes a real difference when you have a goalie. Yeah, they, the Rangers do look different. Very quickly, What if the Lightning don't get to the final, who's the team that knocks them out? Carolina. I think Carolina's really mm-hmm. good. They're under the radar. I'll be honest with you. I would favor the Penguins to beat the Rangers. Very close series, though. But I think Carolina is a matchup problem for both of those teams. That they, Man, there's no weaknesses on that team. I could see them making a real run. It's wide open, though. There's four or five teams in the East that could really win. All right. Now let's dig in very quickly here. Let's talk blue shirts. Eddie Spaghetti, anything you want? I know you're excited. The Igor shout out there. I know you like the MVP buzz for your guy between the pipes. Any issues for you? Any concerns aside from Eddie Spaghetti? By the way, yo, he is a is a conspiracy theorist now. He's, he's he's one of these people who, who, when you don't have eighty seven on your team, then you complain a lot about that eighty seven gets all the calls. How say? Oh. How, any anything you want to add there, Spaghetti? You don't like it. You think eighty seven gets too many calls? I I just said I didn't like every after every whistle was blown. He had his stick in somebody's face, and then I I, I told you. Uh, on the show yesterday that like when the, the penguins played Columbus and they, and they came back and won that game in spectacular fashion. Uh, I, I, my, for my friend was saying that he was kind of grabby uh, Crosby that is on a lot of plays too. And there's no whistle there. So I just feel like he gets away with it. It's like, and to deny that that's true. And to like, you're saying like, there's no star power, or no star qualities in every sport. Like, of course, star players get, the of course goals. there is, of course, so that's what you're allowed. I, that's what you get. And then he's just, you get the, you get the, you get the, Right, the right. strikes you get that that's exactly michael jordan gets extra calls that's, Look, there's, that, there's that's no point in arguing this because like you guys are going to deny it but like i don't like him a lot of fans in the nhl don't like him and he rubs people the wrong way and he he plays he's he's a guy that i hope the next matchup brian reeves just crushes him into the into the boards i really do <laughs> He gets people so mad because he doesn't take crap. That's basically what it is. He does. He's he not, should fight. He should fight that or use his body more. At least Ovechkin uses he his body. Yeah, no, he doesn't. Come on. He's he's he's. Yeah, he, how say he's he's had guys he's had guys protecting him all the time. His Crosby, Crosby haters love Ovechkin. It's unbelievable to me. I've dealt I love with Ovechkin. I'm just using. I've dealt with both on a personal level. I can tell you which one's a nicer guy to deal with. There's not much debate there. Um. Sure, Crosby gets calls. All big names get calls. But I, I would also just suggest in hockey more than other sports, the big names take a beating a lot more and don't always get calls too. Um, compared to football, where you know TB12 gets gets a hand close to his face, there's the flag, and if he doesn't get the flag, TB12 goes insane. Um, you know, Michael Jordan. I'm a child of the '90s. He's the best basketball player ever, as far as I'm concerned. But if you touched him, it was a foul. I mean, just the way it was. I don't think the NHL is skewed nearly as far as the other sports. But I, I understand your frustration, Eddie. I really do. Well, I think we're all. Good, Eddie, he's upset. He's worked up. <laughs> so that, that, the, those last that game was just so brutal to watch and seeing every every play, and then and then just seeing what he did in the Columbus game too. It's it is whatever. But like I the, look, it'll be a fun series. I'm not as oh. afraid. If I if I had to rank the four teams, 
mentioning Carolina, Tampa, uh, Florida. I mean, I'd rather play the Pit- the Pittsburgh Penguins over any of those teams. Uh, Carolina by far does scare me the worst, but I, I think uh, especially you know, no Kako, he'll come back. I know he's not maybe the level of McDavid, but he is a big body. He's really good at puck possession. They need him back, and I don't I don't think the Rangers will stand pat the deadline because they can't because their cap space next year gets very tight. So they're gonna they're gonna add pieces. So I feel pretty good going forward. No, they're they're gonna make a move. They're, they've got some money to play with right now. And I think we can agree Pittsburgh, New York in the first round would be great. I mean, that that will be. I mean, do you guys agree for a one nothing game? That was a wildly entertaining one nothing game. Oh yeah, Mary, I thought it was. Mary. I thought it was. Uh, it was exceptional stuff. Uh-huh. And I always will take. The Rangers actually surprised me with how rugged they they uh, presented yeah. against the Penguins. Most teams mm-hmm. t- do, I guess. If, uh, that's the liability of these pens. But I'll take the 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 high flying matchup over the Bruins. The Bruins are the one. Uh, give me the Lightning. If we lose to the Lightning, no shame there. I just don't want to get brutalized. I don't want to get shamed again. I felt that's <laughs> what I felt like. That's what happened against the Islanders. That was no. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, that Rangers game. I'll tell you a quick story. I was right when the game ended, I was walking to the elevator. Ron Hextall is always right beside me because his booth is right behind the press box. And usually he just walks in silence to the elevator. Well, after the Rangers game, he actually taps me on the arm and I look over. I said, Hey, Ron, what's up? He goes, How Canadian is this? He says, That was playoff hockey, eh? I said, <laughs> Hey, it was. Right, that was that was if that's what the series would be like, uh man, that's gonna be a lot of fun. It really is. All right, last thing where he's concerned then is uh, do you give him the business? Do you remind him of 1989, the 66 talk to him ever? Does he ever bring it up like, hey, 27, I, look, look, you're the general manager, but just keep in mind what I did to you in, in that game. Does, he, does that ever come up in jest or otherwise? Not that I know of. And you know what's funny? Uh, before that series, Hextall was the backup on the 1987 Canada Cup team. Right. And Rick Tockett told me a story. He said, you know, we were having these dinners before the game started, and most of us knew each other. He said, Mario didn't know anybody really on that team, and he was kind of by himself, and we felt bad. And he actually walked over, and Hextall pointed at him. He said, come over here, have dinner with us. And so Mario had dinner every night with Hextall and Tockett, and he and Hextall got along really well from that point on. Um, So I, I don't know that there's any jabbing taking place. I can tell you. Hextall was maybe the biggest lunatic in the history of goalies on the ice. He is so polar opposite in person. He is the most quiet, studious person. It's it's unbelievable how different he is compared to why the way goons you would think of him. are always why goons are always the nicest guys. Why offensive oh. linemen are the smartest guys. It's uh, these mysteries. I don't know that we'll ever solve, but I don't know no. that I ultimately like your story. I don't like 66 mixing with 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 Hextall. Not 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 in the midst of that rivalry, but then again, maybe 66 then advocated for Tockett. Like, you know what? Tockett's nice. I like him. Let's let maybe we should add him to the second line. And I think we can agree 66 never took it easy on the Flyers uh, just because of that that blossoming friendship. So so there is that. Um, but yeah, and if you watch, I know you've seen the goal a million times, his famous game winning goal in the Canada cup, or right when the game ends, they're all celebrating. Hextall comes up from behind him and gives him a big hug. Like you, you can see they were pals a little bit then, which is crazy. But, um, yes, uh, game five, 1989, one of my favorite Mario games as well. The uh, yes, four, four goal know. first period. Oh, uh, I mean, I just haven't another one. We could do that. So Honey. here's, here's the to-do list for us. 
We got to we we got to sit down with 66. Let's see if we can do it. Just Zoom. We don't have, yeah. I, you know, it'd be too much to be in the same room anyway for me. Sure. I'll I'll do it via Zoom. And the three of us will hash out his greatest goals. It could be two goals. It could be 66 goals, whatever, however much he wants to talk about himself. He does. He, that's the issue with him. He doesn't talk about himself enough. Okay, but we'll do that. Also ask him who he thinks is better, him or 60 or, or 99. And also ask Ron Hextall that question. I'd be interested in what 27 has to say about that. Yeah, 27 won the MVP of a Stanley Cup final against 99, even though 99's team won, as I recall. So as I now, now that's another person. Coffee and Tockett. You've asked those yeah. guys. Now ask oh, 66, yeah. and now ask uh, Ronnie Hextall. No, oh, that's perfectly fair. Uh, I I think I think we're onto something here. I really do. I know how you and I feel about it, but it's fair to give other people the platform as well. Touche. Hey, listen. Josh Yoey, as good as it gets when it comes to puck talk, nay, sports talk, nay, the game of life. He answers it all for you at his social media handle. It's Josh Yoey, Y-O-H-E underscore P-G-H. And you can find his great work at The Athletic, always breaking down the Pittsburgh Penguins and beyond. Fair, I will say. I think you – all right, maybe he's a little – he leans black and gold when it comes to Lemieux. But beyond that, I think you can hear after this uh, conversation, he's he's very fair and down the middle about all things puck-related. Great uh, great conversation. Appreciate the time, Pally, and let's do it again, maybe around playoff time. Always a pleasure, my friend. Maybe you and Spaghetti need to come to town for a game in round one, just throwing it out there. Oh, Spaghetti, what do you think of that? What do you Throw think about up. going? What do you think about going to the that, Berg, to the banks of the Three Rivers? That is a that's a done deal. I would love that. That'd be great. All right. That'd be all right. awesome. I might hey, have to you have can talk your stuff about how Crosby's getting all the calls. You should do that. Like, you should loudly do that, dude. This guy's getting all the calls. I'll wear my uh, my goggles and uh, a little bit of a snorkel and my flippers and stuff and a Crosby jersey. So it'll be good. I think this might have to happen in early May. I don't know. Oh, I love I love this. It. You know what? That, uh, that sounds good to me. And th- and that's when we'll sit down with 66. All right. We got our to-do list for springtime. Uh, great stuff, Yoey, as always. And uh, thanks for the time, pal. All right, my friend. Take care. So I guess we have to make our plans for the banks of the Three Rivers come springtime. We'll see if that comes to be. What's the one hockey town you haven't been to that you most would like to pay a visit to? Hmm. I guess it has to be somewhere in Canada. Um I feel like the Bell Center, if it's popping with, you know, the Canadians, yeah, that's, that probably a, that's, that's probably a fun vibe. I mean, maybe going out somewhere like just totally in like the, you know, Western Canada out in the, you know, the wilderness, like Calgary, we're you know, talking about their arena and stuff. That would be pretty fun. Uh, you know, Toronto, I've heard is a great city, so maybe it wouldn't have the same appeal. I, I I feel like the Bell Center is probably it for me. And my dad's been there and he said it's, it's incredible. So I feel like that's that's probably it uh, to really experience, you know, the, the team and the NHL with the most championships. I think that would be a, a fun place to go. It is the place I hear mentioned the most gentlemen or otherwise people say Montreal is where it's at in North America. It is the must see city. It's beautiful. The food, the, the architecture beyond. So yes, I have to do that. I did once jump in a car with, uh, with my pals up for a road trip to see 66 Badger, Bob Johnson's club, right before they won the Stanley cup. I made a trip up to old Maple Leaf garden. Oh man. I'm glad I saw that. What a, what a, uh, great palace that was for Puck. And before the game, like an hour before the game, we uh, we took our seats. It was uh, the building was empty, and who was sitting um, about twenty feet away from us? Badger Bob Johnson. We yelled to him. He waved us. We told him we were in from Pittsburgh. 
he was mildly interested and then returned his eyes to uh, to the ice, and that was the exchange. Anyway, we appreciate you lending us your ears here. We appreciate Josh Yoey joining us as always. Great conversation there. Uh, make sure you're following him and all his great work, and we'll be back in about 48 hours with Kevin Hench to hear what's on his mind. He was at, actually, Kings and Bruins on Monday night. He enjoyed that one. Uh, we'll talk about that, his Celtics, and all the rest of it in a couple of days. Until then, for Eddie Spaghetti, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.